Welcome to another episode of Breaking Mayberry, the show that answers the question, was Granddad always this way? Or was that a recent development? I'm one of your hosts, I'm Marty Schneider. I'm that other host, Dan Ledwig. So, sorry that we've been away for a bit. Um, I was off traveling the world, and Dan was supposed to come up with a replacement, and didn't. Uh, yeah, no, uh, we had a really good uh, uh, substitute teacher episode planned for you guys, with me and my little brother who does the music for the episode, and um, it went about as well as you could anticipate any show that involved two of me, uh, so that might get made someday before the heat death of the universe uh but yeah uh in the meantime welcome back marty yeah no i'm back from uh from godless socialist europe uh where i had a great time i went to a me first again the gimme gimme concert in amsterdam how did Uh, that go i got it was great uh until a stage diver jumped off and uh their head collided with mine uh which like it's super cool to like walk away with like injuries from a punk show, but yeah. not when it's a me first and the gimme gimme show. Which if if you don't know who they are, me first and the gimme gimme's are they're a gimmick band. It's like people who are in punk bands, when they're not working on stuff, they get together in this band and they do covers, punk covers of pop and show tunes and stuff. So Who uh, stage dives at that? That's I spent my Fourth of July with uh, three hundred aging Dutch punks. So they're all like everyone's like forty five years old. You know, there's so many fucking like paperboy ball caps. Uh, oh god! And we're all just moan drunkenly moaning the chorus to Uptown Girl. And so yeah, people did dive at that. Like old men who cannot like walk were trying to mosh. Oh, I was one of them. I- like. I'm I'm at that stage in my aging punk career. I mean, if you're too old to mosh at a punk show, that's why we invented ska. Like right. that you is you can skank. You can always skank. Yeah, but ska is basically like punk Valhalla, where or like more a punk retirement home. Like, hey, come on, go go dance in a ska circle. It's like a mosh pit. I mean, you want to talk about punk retirement homes? C.J. Ramone was on stage, ladies and gentlemen. Instead of Fat Mike, uh, who wasn't able to make that one, their bass player was C.J. Ramon. So, like, a tier three Ramon. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, so I got I got uh, knocked to the ground and uh, was bleeding for a little bit and had to wander, wander around a foreign country going, do I have a concussion or am I just drunk? That's always a good question to have to ask while in a foreign country. I don't think that spending 20 euros worth of Burger King is a concussion symptom. So I'm pretty sure I was just drunk. Uh, but we were thinking, like, that's the dumbest way for me to die. That I, that would be, like, at your funeral, I would just be like, rest in peace, Marty. We all could, should have seen this coming. Rest in peace, Marty. He died from injuries sustained, ironically, during a cover of I Will Survive. (laughs) Rest in peace, Marty. A man who died in the most avoidable circumstances imaginable. 
<laughs> Rest in peace, Marty. Yeah, this makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> just the tomb, just like the priest is going like, from what I, I've never had the pleasure of meeting Martin, but from what all of you have had the kindness to tell me about, this tracks. This definitely <laughs> tracks. I get it. I get it. Get hit, just get the dirt on him. Let's get the fuck out of here. So let's let's get into today's episodes. Um, we're trying to do a double header because one of them we're just gonna like sh- just blow just right through because it's it, it bullshit. It sucks. Um, but the other one I kind of enjoy. It's not super funny, but it is interesting. There's like some good stuff to talk about. The other one trucks like it moves it like shit's constantly happening uh i don't think at any point it's particularly good but there's certainly it certainly was hard to do show notes for because there were ten thousand things happening per scene yeah let's get into it so we're talking about uh well by the way we're skipping the county nurse for right now we're gonna come back to it uh with a special guest so that'll probably be after our live show which is this saturday uh i'm not gonna promote the live show because by the time this airs, it'll already be done. Yeah. Um, you so, should have gone to it if you live in Philadelphia. If you didn't, you let us down. So we're talking about Season 2, Episode 25, Andy and Barney in the Big City. Originally airs March 26, 1962, written by Harvey Bullock, who likes to do the crime ones. He's a crime guy. Which I, makes sense because he has been serving on the Gotham PD dutifully under Gordon for a very long time. We've made that joke a bunch of times. Yeah, I'll never stop. Do you think that the Batman character Harvey Bullock is named after this guy? Like, do you think there's a, a connection there? There's gotta be, like, I mean, no, Bullock would have probably come into existence in, like, the 30s or no, whatever the fuck they started did he? Batman. I thought that he was, like, a Batman the Animated Series guy. I thought he was, like, Harley Quinn. This is, maybe we should, like, check if Bullock did anything more famous than this. Like, if he was actually, like, a crime novelist or some shit. Possibly. Yeah. Possibly. Anyway, so this episode is written by Harvey Bullock and directed by For Sale Running Shoes Never Worn, Bob Sweeney. (laughs) Fuck you, that's good. Uh, A Los Feliz music video producer who knows the name is ridiculous, but is just kind of leaning into it, Bob Sweeney. And the one-sentence summary... Uh, from Wikipedia, says, Andy and Barney get involved in the pursuit of a jewel thief while on a business trip to Raleigh. Talkative Barney foolishly lets the thief know they will be staking out his next target. Also, it then has a note here that says, Art Johnson has a small role as the hotel clerk. And there's a link as if I'm supposed to know who, who the, the fuck Art Johnson Art is. Art Johnson? Arthur Staunton Eric Johnson was an American comic actor who was a regular on television's Rowan Martin's Laugh-In, he played characters, including a German soldier, with the catchphrase, very interesting. Uh, so, that's where that comes from? I guess. I guess. I guess. Uh, that's... Also, uh, Art Johnson died, like, two weeks ago. Oh! July 3rd, 2019. Uh, rest in peace, Art Johnson. I guess. Right. Yeah, yeah sorry, man. This, so- we sucks. dedicate this episode to you, I uh, guess. In the arms of the angel. Good... Good luck out there, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> best, of, um, best of luck to Art Johnson. In the afterlife. In death. In crossing the river sticks. Um, Go get it, man. So, this episode opens with, uh, they're at Andy's house, and uh, Opie is helping Andy pack his suitcase, and they're getting ready for Andy to go. And because Andy's going to 
uh, Raleigh to go talk to the police commissioner there, I guess, about getting some new equipment or something. Yeah, they're, they're asking for a budgetary increase. And it's kind of just one quick thing that's weird. Andy's in a full suit about yes. to go on the bus. What? In, in my wildest dreams, I can't imagine going any long, but like being on, if I was like on a Megabus or a Greyhound in a full suit, I'd want to die within the first 20 minutes. Yeah, I mean, he goes, I guess it's just like how you used to get dressed up to go on airplanes or yeah. whatnot. Also like, sounds horrible. Well, airplanes were cooler then. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so he's like fully ready and it looks like it's a, it looks like a wool suit too. Yeah. And they're in North Carolina. It's hot as hell. So he's about to get on the bus, uh, but they go to the hotel first. He could change into his suit there. Yeah. Whatever. It's not, it's a bus. You're not trying to impress him. I'm just trying to imagine how just like how sticky I normally get when I take a bus with a bunch of other people and just how exponentially more sticky I would be by the end if yeah, I was in add, a suit. Add a, a men's 1960s wool suit, which you know is like like an inch and a half thick. The inside of that thing is going to be a fucking biome by the time he gets off the bus. If he's going to have new life forms growing in it. What's this note you have? A relish in the suitcase? Oh, yeah. So Amp, he's just like, oh, man, my suitcase sure is he- heavy. And Ampy's like, I, I put a jar of relish in there. You'll need it. Food in the city is shit. And he's just like... <laughs> All right, cool. And then Barney rolls in, and uh, Barn and Andy just like mentions like, "Oh yeah, I got a, I got a bottle in the, uh, in the suitcase." And Barney's like, "Yeah, you do. All right, we're gonna party out there." Thinking it's like booze, and he's like, "Nah, man, it's relish. Uh, actually, a solid little bit. It's a pretty solid, solid bit. Also, fuck you, Barney. That's a good." Like you arrest other people for that shit. Oh yeah, okay. what the fuck? I didn't realize that. <laughs> yeah. Barney's Barney's excited that he and uh well you know what maybe Mayberry Mayberry's a dry county but maybe Raleigh isn't I think it's only Mayberry that's yeah, a dry it's only county Ma- so sure so technically Andy's smuggling but I think Barney's willing to look the other way on that yeah so we're gonna like bring the booze over there and party so uh, you know that Barney and Andy drink in their free time oh like, absolutely one hundred percent. There's a little bit where Ron Howard loses, has lost a tooth. Little Ronnie's lost a tooth. They get some mileage out of that. They drag that for all it's worth. Yeah, I think... They have been the first time a child has lost a tooth on television ever. Uh, every time Ron Howard, like, grows at all, they're going to, like, get a five-minute bit out of it. Like, oh, little Ronnie Howard, you grew three inches. Like, every single time. We're going to get, like, 15 minutes dedicated to his first pube. Oh, like, my God. Yeah. Like, oh, Ronnie, like, your voice is changing. Oh, my God. But, yeah. Um, so, uh, there's a thing, uh, Aunt B always makes Andy take a sack of sandwiches whenever he goes somewhere. Yeah, yeah, he does a bit, like, she runs into the kitchen like, oh, I almost forgot something. And Andy's like, it's a sack of sandwiches. I've never gone anywhere without her bringing me a brown paper sack full of sandwiches. Yeah. She comes down, here are some sandwiches in case you're hungry. I like that she's not even like, here are some sandwiches. She's like, here's a sack of sandwiches. Like, she says it verbatim. Yeah. And like, such shitty writing, but it's really funny. It is It is really funny, the, the, the repetition there. Yeah. Also, like, an entire, like, sack of sandwiches. I don't know how long a bus ride takes, but... It can't be more than two or three hours from Raleigh to Mayberry. Yeah, although, I mean, they're going to be bored as shit on this bus. So, That's true. Like, you might just eat sandwiches to, like, pass the time. So, Ampy does a whole thing about how they need to step out with the right foot so everything will go well. They That's a superstition I've never heard of, but... 
it's right. I guess it's fine superstition as far as you it, as far as ones on this show have gone. It makes some semblance of sense, or is I guess isn't inconvenient. Oh, you know what? I have heard the phrase "start off on the right foot." Oh, so that's probably like it being incredibly literal. This is now that I think about maybe it. Maybe the most I've ever learned from this episode of television, um, or from this TV show. Oh my god, it's so goddamn hot. Words are so hard. Um, alright, so the next shot is the big city! And it is, it, it, it looks like newsreel footage, right? I know. It's, a, it's like, the charming town of Raleigh, North Carolina! I, I expected the next shot to just be like, that, that scene of like, Andy and Barney throwing their arms up and one of them throws their hat into the air. Neon signs, like, float above them, like, semi-transparent, like, yeah, girls, girls, girls! <laughs> Yeah, no, uh, but instead it's just like hard cuts to basically the only setting there will be in this entire show, the inside of a hotel. Yeah, they check into like a fancy hotel in Raleigh. And you know, I gotta be honest, no offense to the citizens of Raleigh, North Carolina, but like, you're not a major city. No, you're, you're dog shit, Raleigh, all right? Oh, okay. thinking Thinking you're hot shit, thinking that you're a real city, you're nothing, okay? You're basically Minneapolis. You're barely better than Phoenix. Dude, a lot of things are better than Phoenix. You take that back. Okay, yeah. Phoenix sucks. Offense to the citizens of Phoenix, Arizona. I'm sorry, Raleigh. It's really goddamn hot today. I'm just... Alright, so so they go into a, a hotel, uh, and they book a room. There's a bit here that actually does make me laugh, where uh, the concierge takes their uh, information down. And he says, okay, we'll have those rooms ready for you, Mr. Taylor and Mr. Fife. Oh, I'm sorry, Dr. Fife. And Andy just like, like, what the fuck? And it's Barney Fife, MD. And Barney's like, yeah, I just, uh, you know, I signed my name that way. Barney Fife, Mayberry Deputy, which is a great bit. Probably the most layup illegal thing. Like, we've talked about, it's not the most illegal thing. This is, but a, this is a layup misdemeanor. This <laughs> yeah. is 100%. Like, if this, uh, if this landed on a, a prosecuting attorney's lap, he would be like, oh, hell yeah. Someone's win record is about to get better for no work whatsoever. But yeah, that's pretty, fu- that, that Barney 5 MD bit is pretty funny. Yeah. And, um, uh, so. Uh, they're 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 getting the room, and as they're doing so, uh, an old lady approaches the desk, uh, and the guy like goes over to help her. Um, and as that's happening, Barney's just like, "Man, this city—you wouldn't have to look too far to find some felonies, not unlike the one that I just did two seconds ago." I'm gonna give Barney Fife a little bit of credit here because he actually does do some. Very alert police yeah. work. He 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 notices something suspicious. He just directs his attention at the wrong target. But he does like look and he go, man, that woman is flashing a whole shitload of jewelry. That's going to attract a lot of attention. Yeah. And then he sees another man eyeing her and following her with those jewels. He has every right to be suspicious. Yeah. The the concierge even asks this woman like, hey, do you want to put this in a safe or something? You want us to hold on to it back here? And she's like, what's the point of having jewelry if you don't share it, show it off, darling? <laughs> yeah. Which, Real Ava Gabor kind of shit. The big thing is like, is this old lady going to get her jewelry stolen? And I think the resounding 
answer should be, she doesn't give a shit. Right. She's so rich that this would probably be like, not, she would be like the uh, the lady in To Catch a Thief, where she's like, fuck it. I have so much money, this was nothing to me. Yeah. Steal yeah. it again. Come on. So Barney notices all this happening. She, he notices the woman and her jewel, jewels, and he notices uh, a man like behind her eyeing the jewels and watching her. And when she leaves, he leaves after her. And Barney's like, check that out. Look at that, Andy. Look at that shit over there. And Andy says, stop seeing criminals everywhere you look. Barney says the guy's stalking his prey and that they're in an asphalt jungle. So he is like, I mean, he's done done good police work so far. He is fully disassociating right now. Like, he is, he is like, as with this scene happens, becoming de- detethered from reality. It's Barney, so he's, like, getting super excited, like, oh, I can, here's a case to bust. Yeah. Gumption. Tenacity. And Andy says, you know, stop, stop seeing, stop looking for crimes, stop seeing criminals everywhere, which is a weird uh, take for the sheriff of a city to, to have, but not one I disapprove of. I'm going to say that on the bus ride up here, Barney identified three serial killers. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, 100% this is just his life where Barney's just like, I think that might be Al Capone. That's true. We've seen Barney do that numerous times. Yeah, it's got to get so fucking old. Uh, by the way, um, the ultra-reliable Mayberry Wiki pointed out the same thing that I did, which is Andy and Barney are out of town on business for two days. There's no mention at any point during the episode of who will be acting sheriff or deputy in their absence. Mayberry just doesn't need a police department. No. That should honestly be, like, the commissioner's line of question in the next scene of just, like, so, you guys want more money to do your jobs, but you're both here, and I'm assuming everything is fine in the town, leading me to think that maybe we should give you less money, if anything, because it seems that your work is in no way hard. (laughs) Yeah, so, yeah, that is the next scene. They're in the commissioner's office, uh, and the commissioner is just like, listen... I'll try to talk to the council about your budget, but you don't have anything going on, so I don't know if we can get you new equipment. And Andy's like, so we're too good at our jobs, is what you're saying. I mean, which is a a fair argument, right? And Andy's argument is that you don't need to be arresting people to necessarily be a good law enforcement officer. In fact, and we've heard Andy say this a couple of times, having the jails empty is a sign that he's doing his job better. Yeah. So that's, that's Andy's whole perspective on it. But they want real big arrests, flashy arrests, the kind that make the papers. Yeah. The commissioner leaves, blows them off, is basically like, fuck off, I'm I'm not helping you, bumpkins. He's nice about it. He's like, hey guys, I'm gonna do my best, but I gotta go into this other meeting. Like, he's he's not a, he's not like, get the fuck out of my office. He's no, like, no, but he, but he does a, it's, it's a very polite brush off. Yeah. It's very clearly a brush off. Yeah. Uh, and Barney says, we need one good felony. Yeah. We need to get one big arrest. I bet we can find one here in the city because no one's explained to Barney Fife the concept of jurisdiction. Yeah. Like, what is is the plan that he's going to go out and, like, catch a murderer and then just, like, drive him back to Mayberry and then be For like... For prosecution? Yeah, you can't extradite to Mayberry. Just, like, put him on the bus, take him back to Mayberry, and then suddenly put the handcuffs on him and be like, you're arrested. Also, why did they take a bus? They have a car. They have many cars. They have, the internal logic of this episode is uh, not great. Yeah. It's not super good. 
yeah, Barty is now on the hunt for one good felony. Um, and the next, and Andy's like, you know what? We'll feel better after we get some supper, which kicks off the best scene in the episode. Hands fucking down. I agree. I agree. Yeah. So they're, they're at a nice restaurant, uh, and the menu is in French. Uh, and Barney and Andy are both very like dumbfounded. They didn't really know what what they're looking at. It's they do both doing great acting of just like there. It's just like five seconds of silence with them both just staring at the menu, just like puzzling at it. There's something I wanted to point out about this episode, and I wasn't gonna wait for a little bit, but I, this is a good time to say it. So when we watched a face in the crowd, do you remember we watched a face in the crowd, and we kind of said, "Dang, Andy Griffith, if he had gone a different route." Could have absolutely been like a Rat Pack guy. He yeah. could have absolutely hung out with Dean Martin and Frank Sinatra and whatnot. And that's what this entire episode kind of feels like. It really feels like like Andy and Barney are trying, or Andy and Don Knotts are trying to do like a um, almost like a pilot, like a tryout for like a Jerry, uh, Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis kind of thing. A little bit. This really feels like this could, if you had like tamp- tampered this out a little bit. This episode could have been like an hour and a half movie where like there's like it's it, that's what it is. It's a caper. It's yeah. like a, it's like a silly caper, the kind of movie that Dean Martin made uh that like that like Bob Hope was making in the 60s. It really feels like like they're trying to set up that dynamic of like the cool swinging guy and his silly like partner and yeah. they have they have capers. It feels like they took they used this as like an audition to get something like that kind of made. Honestly, it feels like imagine if they did like instead of them being like small town sheriffs, they were like fuck like private detectives, and this was just the like Raleigh was the setting, and it was just like if it wasn't like if that was the situation and they were like down on their luck or something, this dynamic would be so much more endearing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I would watch the shit out of Barney Fife PI. Oh my god, they should have done that as the spinoff. That would have been a much better spinoff. Yeah. But yeah, so that and for that reason, this feels very different than most Andy Griffith episodes that we've seen. Not bad, not better or worse, but different. But Bullock has consistently brought the heat as a writer. Like, I think he's been the best of season two. Oh, don't say that because the next episode is also a Bullock. Oh, God damn it. Yeah. Fuck. Um, so so the, the scene in the in the restaurant is. Barney is too ashamed. He doesn't want them to know that he's not cultured enough to know what's on the menu, which is reminiscent of what we saw before uh, in the Club Men episode. Yeah. Where Barney didn't want anyone to know that he doesn't know anything about Club, like, which was also in Raleigh, right? Yeah. They, they, they drove to they drove to Raleigh then to go to this, like, Raleigh fancy club. Raleigh is just the location of Barney Fight's deepest shame. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it's, it's because he wants to be a big city guy, and he doesn't know how. There are no limits to the things that Barney wants to be, but doesn't know how to be. Fair point. That Fair is point. all of human society. He poses as a doctor, for fuck's sake. He's never talked about being a doctor once. Because that's what he wants. He wants some high society respect. He thinks that he's a big... He even says it. He thinks, I'm a real big city guy. Yeah. I'm, I'm a predator in the concrete jungle. Uh, but not enough to, like, actually go to the city yeah. or ever live... And that's kind of endearing i feel like we all know that guy we all know a guy who thinks that he could be real like hot shit but has not left his hometown yeah so to finish up the 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 bit yeah please tell us a bit yeah so uh they're talking about like about how they cannot read the french menu and barney is like listen 
you're going to embarrass us. Just point at something. It'll be good. This is a nice restaurant. Uh, and Andy's like, I don't know. That's too much of a gamble for me. I just want the food that I want. Uh, and Barney's like, I swear to God, don't you do it. Don't you fucking embarrass me in this restaurant. Andy just like says like, hey, I just want steak and uh, green beans and a baked potato. And the guy's like, yeah, sure. Uh, and Barney just points at things. He points at the escargot. And he points at another thing that the guy says super fast, and I couldn't catch it and type it out, and I tried three fucking times. Hmm. Something French and long. The raider was like, okay, great. So he will get the steak, the baked potato, and the green beans, and Barney will get snails and brains. <laughs> and then just walks away. Just good. Just a good. good bit. It's a solid bit. Then Barney spots the old lady again while he's glowering, and uh, he also sees the man from before who's following her, which we should point out, is the gangster from... From Jailbreak. From Jailbreak. Yeah, yeah. We, so we've we already seen this guy before. Yeah. Same dude. Uh, same actor, not same character. According, according to the ultra-reliable Mayberry Wiki, we're going to see him a few more times in small roles. He's a good fucking character actor. Yeah, he's solid. Yeah. He really... He, he lo- uses the fact that he looks like a dirtbag really well. Yeah. Barney refers to them as the Emerald Lady and the Crook, which I, is... My favorite turn-of-the-century fantasy novel? Barney could really make a living just, like, selling detective novels if he wanted to. Yeah, really could. He's got such a great imagination for it. Yeah. He's all, always fictionalizing everything around it, But yeah, Emerald Lady and the Crook, kick-ass name for a thing. Even, like, a band. Uh, So they cut to the, uh, to the Crook. The Crook. The, the guy we think is a Crook. And he's on the phone, and he's talking about how much the necklace is worth. And yeah. Boy, ice like that would be worth a bundle. Cut hard cut back to Barney, who's saying, I would bet my life that that guy is a crook. Hard cut back? I God, I miss being a cop. I guess it's okay being a hotel detective. Good bit. Also, guys, hotel, hotel detectives are a thing. What's a hotel detective? I, I mean, I assume that like fancy hotels probably invo- have some sort of security force on that's there. That's a security guard, though. Like, why do you need a hotel detective also how has this not been a show on usa yet hotel detective i i think that the fact that there's enough crime at your hotel to warrant its own detective is a deterrent in and of itself i would not want to stay at a hotel that has a detective in its employ i mean i don't he, they're not advertising it they're like they're not like Welcome to the Sheraton. Over there is Phil, our hotel detective. And Phil's like, just like (laughs) waving. They're like, oh, and at this hotel, we have a scary looking man skulking in the shadows. And everyone's like, cool. Uh, They're they're not advertising it, but also like. That makes it worse. Yeah. So he just follows around people that he thinks might be robbed, which is uh, basically results in this situation where it just looks like so- they're about to be robbed. I'm going to say it. Barney Fife was 100% right on this one. Why? Like, Barney Fife had every reason to believe what he believed. I really want just to read a book about a hotel detective. <laughs> Could call it checked out. Nice. Like he shoots a guy and he's just like, check out, it's 1130. <laughs> uh, what? Shit. Hang on, let, let's... Let's pause. Let's pause. Let's yeah. think about this. 
Sam Sheraton, hotel detective. Right? Shoots a guy in the neck. Have you enjoyed your stay, sir? Something like that. Uh, oh, book five, room service. <laughs> there aren't very many good puns about hotels. I, I, I really, I'm sorry, everyone. I figured this bit was going to go further. The rule is always that the bellboy did it. I, yeah, no, this feels like it should have such I legs. Like there should be meat on these bones. God damn aren't. it. Shit. Apologize. I'm not a great punsman, but fuck. This has been a frustrating experience. It's so goddamn hot. Back to the hotel. Um. Uh, back to the, so the elevator opens. Andy walks out. He's in the hallway. He does some hallway bullshit. He, like, puts some stuff in some stuff. I don't know. Old timey stuff. Barney is, like, standing there with a newspaper, and uh, Andy goes up to him and be like, Hey, you want to buy a hot necklace? Barney yells at him, and it's just like, So I've been watching the guy. I've been watching the hotel detective. He's been sitting there. He's eaten eight mints so far. And Andy's like, All right, well, I'm going to go. You keep track of how many mints he eats. And it's like, again, Andy is right to mock him, but also, is this guy just hanging out eating mints? Yeah, it's kind of weird. Yeah, again, I feel like they're wasting money on this hotel detective. Everything about this situation is weird. Yeah, they're they're in, they're in the like the lobby, right? They're in the lobby area, and it's just a guy sitting, just waiting. Is that uh, As Andy leaves, he bumps into a guy, says, "I'm sorry," and then that guy walks over to the guy we know as the hotel detective, the hotel who, detective, whose name is Detective Bardoli. Are we gonna call him Detective Bardoli? Or are we just gonna call him the hotel detective? I feel like just calling him the hotel detective. The hotel detective is just—he's the hotel detective. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sheraton Hilton. Uh, Embassy Suite. Min. Wait, no, there's something there. Uh, oh, the name's Best Western Hotel Detective. Nice. There we go. There we go. Oh, God. <laughs> the hotel detective recognizes him as uh, CJ. Uh, did CJ have a last name? Wait, wait, shut up. Shut the fuck up. The Adventures of Best Western in The Four Seasons. There we go. Nice. Whew, it took a little while. Okay, what were we saying? CJ. Uh, Best, all right, so uh, CJ, did, does CJ have a last name? Uh, CJ Hassler, played by a, an actor named Les Tremaine. CJ is not the name of a criminal. It is the name of a precocious little scamp. CJ CJ's the name of, like, a cool mom, right? That is... Don't call me Mrs. Hassler. <laughs> You can just call me CJ, honey. Damn it, CJ. You've stolen wallets all over the East Coast. And also, you got me kicked out of the family carpool. I won't rem- I won't forget what you did at the PTA meeting, CJ, you son of a bitch. CJ Hassler is a woman who's not allowed back at, like, half-priced margarita nights at Applebee's. Oh, <laughs> uh, CJ has started shit in every single book group in town. Yeah, so, uh, CJ rolls up and uh the hotel detective is just like ah fuck you cj uh back when i was a cop you did a bunch of crimes and i arrested you and the charges didn't stick and cj's like yeah they didn't asshole it's very weird that we're going over this yeah that's a weird amount of exposition i i know all of this information why are we only sharing our shared backstory very explicitly like, why, why are we doing this right now? Also, in case you were wondering as the audience, yes, I am another Vincent Price-esque villain. Oh, coded gay! <laughs> I'm a coded gay villain! 
<laughs> I have a thin mustache and talk in a peculiar way. Oh, look at my fingers. They're lacing together as I think. Oh, all these eccentricities and peculiarities about myself. I'm basically Snagglepuss. <laughs> oh. The exit stayed right even. You're pure Snaggle. I, you did like a Snagglepuss mixed with your Vincent Price. And the result was a vampire clown? Vampire clown is how this guy's playing. Yeah. Uh, okay. He's, he's got a vague British accent, too. So, like. They all have, like, the, the accent your aunt did. The Madonna British accents. They all have Madonna British accents. It makes no sense because this dude is British. Yeah. He's British doing a fake British accent. They. Wait, the actor is British? Yeah. He came in and he did his real British accent, and they were like, we need you to tone that down because. This is going to be airing in the South, and they're really not going to be down with that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so here's his character. He's a giant, weird, flouncy stereotype. It is a little... So the hotel detective is a very sad character because he's... When he's when CJ rolls in, the hotel detective isn't like, you get out of here, I'm going to kick your ass. He's like, hey, CJ, I don't want any trouble. Like, yeah, the- right? Yeah, he's not a tough guy. He's just like, please do don't. Yeah, it's like, I don't really have any authority to do anything to you because I'm a hotel detective and was probably kicked off the force for sad reasons. Please don't do any crime. I can't really stop you. You you know that CJ's just like, oh, these robes are so plush. What would happen if one slipped into my suitcase? Hmm? What will you do about that, Best Western? <laughs> Best Western's just like, I'm gonna tell my manager who will not have the, who will call the police, and then I'm gonna hide when the police get here. That's what I'm gonna do, CJ! It's like when you work security at, like, a department store, and, like, all you can really do is follow someone around and hope that they leave. But, like, literally, if you are being, t- like, tailed by security or whatever at Walmart, you can just walk out yeah. holding video games. They're not allowed to really touch you. Yeah. Or even really confront you all that much because they're just a Walmart security person. The best Griffin McElroy joke is when he says, like, I'm just going to take this. You're not my dad. You can't stop me. Bye. I'm just busting in. (laughs) Hotel detective is a very sad man, probably drinks a lot and cries. Uh, So CJ walks away. Barney immediately just walks up to him and is like, hey. What's going on? And dude's like, hi? And Barney is just like, just a quick heads up, that guy's a criminal. Which, why did you tell that? Yeah, this this seems a little, like, outrageous even for Barney. Yeah. Like, I feel like even Barney, because Barney's naturally suspicious of everyone, but this per- this guy, he's just like, hey, watch out. Um, it's, it's along the lines of, like, I need attention. Uh, and he's not validating my stakeout, so I need to just get, like, some random Yahoo. This guy totally could have been, like, the criminal's co-conspirator, because he just talked to him for, like, four minutes. And Barney would have thought that. Yeah. Barney would have absolutely been like, oh, they're working together. They're in cahoots. Yeah, Bar- Bullock is making some leaps. Yeah. So Barney is chatting him up, basically, and he just straight up says, that guy's a criminal. He's following a woman around who has emeralds the size of jawbreakers. He just straight up gives it away. He's like, hey, there's, there's somebody around who's got a shitload of jewels, and he shows CJ his badge. CJ's like, ooh, okay. Well, I can help you. Uh, I'm a reporter. Yeah. Uh, I own 
this newspaper that I'm holding. Uh, and Barney's like, cool, cool, no follow-up questions. Because Barney's whole goal is to get in the paper. He wants to make an arrest that gets in the paper, so he thinks that if he can work with a reporter on this, he'll automatically get in there. Yeah. Uh, that's some continuity, sure. So then they run up the stairs together because they see Best Western Hotel Detective <laughs> get into an elevator. Yeah. So they run up the stairs. Uh, then we go back to... They, they scamper off like tykes. Like, they just like, come on, let's go! And then just like run up the stairs together. It's kind of adorable. Uh, the next couple of scenes happen really in succession with each other. This is kind of a cool bit. I love the hard cut to the crime lab where Andy is saying, so this is the crime lab. This is pretty, it's pretty great shitty writing. You know, I'm not even going to say it's that shitty because, like, at that time, I'm sure you didn't see that many crime labs yeah. on television, right? Like, now, if I see a crime lab on TV, I know essentially what a crime lab looks like, or at least a television crime lab looks like. Yeah. And I can identify it immediately. But for that one, like, at that time, I feel like Andy would have had to have been like, yes, this is the room where we're in because you at home don't know that. Yeah, but there's not, like, any lead up or anything. Like, right. It's literally... The first second, it's like, just, like, the scene changes. Crime lab! This is a crime lab! Okay, so, oh, who are you? I'm Officer Friendly. Hi, Officer Friendly. By the way, that's actually his name, Officer Friendly. No follow-up on that. No, yeah, they were just, like, that was one of the things where they just wrote in as a placeholder, and then we're, like, they finished filming, and like, do you guys mean to leave in Officer Friendly? Yeah? No? I, I guess it's in the can. Tom reading for the role of Officer Friendly, I guess. Weird audition tape. Yeah. Um, so God, go, TV used to be so easy. They go into, like, a room of files. Cut back to the hallway where Barney and CJ are watching the hotel detective, and he's, like, checking all the doors. And back to the record room where they're just going through, like, records. <laughs> they're basically just like, hello, Andy, would you like to see all of these records? Uh, isn't that interesting? We have so many records. Here are pictures of people that we have. It's... They're just giving such weird exposition. And also, why is Andy touring the crime lab anyway? Was he invited to do that? I don't. Uh, he just was just like, I need to get away from my dipshit detective. But yeah, they do it for two separate rooms where they're like, like yelling, "This is the crime lab." Do you want to go to the record room? They cut back like, "This is the record room." In case you forgot, in the middle scene, <laughs> and then they, then they open up a big book of records and just randomly. Uh, and, like it just opens to happens to open to CJ's record, which feels like it shouldn't be there, right? Because he got acquitted. Whatever. Yeah. The record probably the rest is still on there. Uh, and Andy's I, like, I I feel like you couldn't get uh a record expunged back then. Sure. So Andy's like, huh? I recognize that guy from somewhere. I don't know where. Back to the hotel. Um. So now the audience is clued in. Yeah. Right? So now the audience has all the the information. But we had that information before. Sure. Yeah. So, but now now the new bit is that Andy knows. Yeah, that's true. Or at least Andy thinks he knows. Uh, back to the hotel. They missed... Uh, Best Western, Best hotel, Western detective. hotel Detective. Uh, and then they notice that the room is locked. CJ says, I've heard that you can open up one of these doors if you have... Is it a bobby pin? Uh, it is a... I think it was a nail file. Nail file. Yeah. Nail file. And Barney's like, oh, well, I've got one of those. And then CJ picks the lock to the to the room, which, by the way, we got to point out, just like the ultra-reliable Mayberry Wiki pointed out, is room 420. Holy shit. It is, it is the weed number. Yeah, it yeah. is. I get, would, should we, like, stop and, like, smoke weed? I don't know what the etiquette is for this. No, it's just, you. you we, we just have to reference that it is. Room. Can you just, like, cut in some sounds of bong rips here? Like, I, th I feel like... That would be tacky. That's below us. Is it? 
Is anything below us? We're animals. Uh, so they, they search the room, and CJ finds the jewels, of course. He's in a different... Uh, Barney's in, like, the living room of the, the hotel suite. And yeah. CJ finds the The hotel jewels. living room, right. Co- hotel suites have living rooms. Yeah. Uh, and CJ goes into the bedroom, and he finds the, uh, the jewel box, and he up. Yeah, so it cuts down to the hotel lobby, where Andy's just, like, walking with another cop, like, Come on down to Mayberry, we'll shoot some quail! Uh, and the guy's like... All right, cool. And then Andy's like, well, is there a hotel detective here? And the cop is like, yeah. And then come back up to the hotel room. Wait, wait a minute. Actually, now that, now that I noticed it, I didn't notice it while we were watching the episode, but looking at it down on paper, how the fuck did Andy get back to the hotel so fast? Maybe. Is the police department across the street? That would make sense why they picked this hotel. I guess. Yeah, the the the, the, the fanciest hotel in town is like next door to the crime lab slash record room. Yeah. Maybe not the full police station, but at least those two rooms. Because he's he's in those two rooms, and then uh, when when Aunt Barney and CJ are at the bottom of the stairs, and then they get to the top of the stairs, and now Andy's back in the hotel? Yeah. Like, five minutes must have passed, at the very most. Whatever. So, it, back it, at the room. It's fine. CJ has stolen the jewels. Barney, like, comes in, he spots that the jewel box is empty, and he goes, oh, no, that guy stole those jewels. And CJ's like, yes, that guy did. Oh, soup. Totally. Barney and CJ are about to leave. But then they see in the main door opening and enter Howard Johnson. <laughs> detective Howard Johnson. Uh, hotel detective. Hotel detective Howard Johnson. To be to be clear, we're talking about the same guy. Uh, and then they, they hide. They start to uh, they, they hide behind the door. And then. They sneak out because Barney pushes Best Western. Let's stick with yeah, that one. Best, Detective Best Western. They don't sneak out. So they hide behind a door, mime to each other incomprehensibly, somehow communicate that when Best Western comes in, Barney is just going to push him into a closet. Which he does. He pushes him into the closet, slams the door, uh, blocks the closet off, and then they run out. CJ starts trying to shake Barney and says like, uh, okay, so I'm going to run to my newspaper. I'm going to get this printed right now. And then you're going to be a hero. and It's going to be great. And Barney's like, "I'll. why don't we just call on a phone at the hotel? And he's like, the hotel detective will have it bugged and he'll steal all the credit. And uh, Barney's like, well, we'll call from a payphone. And CJ's starting to get frustrated. And he could honestly just throat punch Barney and run away. Like, he's not, he does not need to put nearly this much effort into shaking this very weak man. So, but CJ can't shake him. Barney's being annoying. They go down to the lobby where Andy immediately intercepts them. Barney explains what's going on. And then Andy figures out who CJ is and he finds the jewels on CJ's person. And then just kind of explains it. Barney is completely dumbfounded. Andy arrests the guy and says like, you did it, man. You, uh, you got him. You got your felony. Uh, and Barney is just, like, in a, a, a rare, I think our second rare moment of clarity is, like, I'm so fucking stupid. I botched this. Holy shit. dumb as hell, Andy. I'm dumb as shit. And Andy's like, yeah, but it's cool. Um, and then Barney's like, who did I just lock in a closet? And Andy, like, kind of takes his time. He's like, so that's the thing. And then they start getting into an elevating you can't hear 
uh, Andy tell him, and Barney's just like, oh my god! Yeah, yeah, it's a good gag. It's a good bit. Yeah. Uh, the stinger is that uh, they've talked to the commissioner, and they're gonna get the, the budget increase, so we're back at Barney and Andy's hotel room. Hotel detective, best western, comes in, and Barney hides in the, like, he runs away. Uh, and then, uh, what was the one you did? Howard Johnson. And then Howard Johnson says that there's no hard feelings. He's just happy that CJ is in prison. He'll never ruin another wine of the month club ever again. <laughs> um, as soon as he hears that there's no hard feelings, Barney comes out and says, hi, like, I've been looking all over for you. And then Andy calls Barney a coward and Barney scowls. Do our ratings. <laughs> okay, ratings for the, the previous episode. <laughs> Barney Meter, Andy Meter, how good is this episode? This episode's kind of good. This episode is a solid seven it's in my book. It's a seven. Yeah. It's a solid seven. It's uh, enjoyable. A lot of logical inconsistencies, but not the directing's It's tight. a fun little caper, and it does what it's supposed Sweeney's to do. Sweeney's working. Sweeney's, uh, Sweeney's putting some sweat on this episode. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he keeps it going at a nice, brisk pace. Shit's constantly happening. And uh, as far as Fifometer goes, like, I'm going to say mild, like... I will say, so... This was entrapment. Barney did entice a criminal. It was light entrapment, but he did entice a criminal to break into a hotel room with him. So, uh, this was a, like, a felony. And this is kind of the episode where Barney Fife learns how to do entrapment, and he's going to keep doing it over the course of season two. So, it is, there are two, there is a misdemeanor and a felony in this episode. Yeah, all right. Uh, so I'm gonna say a se- another seven. It's a seven. A, seven. I'm, it's not that bad to me. I'm gonna say like a five. All right. So I'm sorry that I kind of trailed off at the end of that episode there, but I'm looking at your notes and I'm very confused. Why do you have notes for what appears to be an episode of Hey Arnold here? I. You have very detailed notes for an episode of Hey Arnold here. I... Why? I don't really have a good answer. I. Went to do notes for the next episode of The Andy Griffith Show, and it just kind of got away from me, I think is the way to really put this. So, <laughs> we don't have episode, we don't have notes for the next episode of The Andy Griffith Show. We do have notes for the tree episode of Hey Arnold, and... <laughs> So, um, I mean, I don't, we can do without what we will. Um, I, I tried to watch the second, I tried to watch Aunt Payne Wedding Bells again, and I just couldn't. I couldn't fucking do it, man. I really, I gave it my all. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Let's, Dan, Dan, I don't know what to do about this. I mean, I guess we just kind of proceed normally. So here we go with an ep- with an absolutely garbage episode of television. Yeah, nope, uh, an an all time piece of shit. Uh, okay, so it's the uh, the episode is called Wedding Bells for Aunt B. It's season two, episode twenty six. Originally airs April second, nineteen sixty two. Uh, written by Harvey Bullock and uh, directed by This cannot be. It was not me you saw that night with Esmeralda. It was my twin brother, Bob Sweeney. He keeps hinting that he used to work for the CIA and everyone's just refusing to engage. Bob Sweeney. Uh, And here's your one sentence summary from Wikipedia. 
Andy and Aunt B both think that the other is anxious for her to marry the town dry cleaner, Fred Goss. Remember how excited we got about Fred Goss a few episodes ago? New character! We were so hype about Fred Goss, we thought that guy ruled. He was like a curmudgeonly, like, dry cleaner who's always fucking smoking. And yeah, we thought this guy kicks ass, but now they gave us like an entire episode dedicated to the Goss man, and he sucks. I'm, I get really annoyed with like, guest characters and like, what the Andy Griffith show deal with him, because like, this is like the fourth dude where he pops up and it's like, all right, so what's this guy's deal? What makes him funny? And the Griffin show is like, he sucks. <laughs> yeah. he, su- he sucks shit, man. It's like, like, is he dumb? Nah, he's, he's not really that dumb. He's like, he's smart enough. Is he like a dick? No, no, he's not like a dick. He's just kind of like. He's, he's just sort of boring. He's, he's just kind of like not that fun to be around and he's just kind of bad at everything he does and, and he's, he's not super entertaining or interesting in any way so let's spend 25 minutes with this motherfucker you know like a person that you don't want to be in a room with uh and it's not really due to any major personality quirk he's, he's just, just kind of like, like that he's just kind of unlikable yeah yeah he's just an unlikable dude yeah so yeah so yeah you're now you're trapped with him for the next 25 minutes yeah like eventually this show is going to figure out that dumb people are funny and lose its fucking mind. Like, like it's because all their characters are like, they can't be dumb. They just have to be weird. Just weird and like, f- and scatterbrained and annoying. Um. So here's the, uh, we, we don't have any notes for this because what we do have notes for are uh, the Treehouse episode of Hey Arnold. The Treehouse, the, the Mighty Pete episode of Hey Arnold, yes. Okay, it's okay. It's a classic episode of television. Again, I am very sorry. So I guess this episode starts with um, Gerald saying that the the treehouse is great. Sid has fixed the treehouse sink. This, the 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 tree has in indoor plumbing. Yeah, like they built indoor plumbing in a tree. And the the tree's name is Mighty Pete. They've named the tree. Yeah. So every kid loves this tree, Mighty Pete, and they're like, "This tree's always going to be standing." Okay. Smash cut, of course. To Helga's dad, Big Bob Pataki, going, that tree is going down. Meanwhile, in Mayberry. So, uh, Aunt B and Clara and Otis are all at the cleaners. And they're picking stuff up. And Otis is trying to pick up a suit. And he can't get the suit because Fred Goss won't shut his damn yapper. Yeah. He keeps talking and talking. Uh, and he's putting ash, like cigarette ashes all over Otis's newly cleaned suit. Yeah. Also, very introduction of sober otis right yeah. right so far otis has has managed to stay sober after the prison uh labor that we saw yeah uh and uh fred goss who is like he's just a gossipy man he yeah. likes to like talk shit about people and he's just like he's asking if andy's taking anyone to the big dance uh they have dances a lot in this they, town. i mean what else what the fuck else is there yeah there's nothing else to do uh, and, uh, Aunt B's like, no, I don't think he's taking anyone. In fact, he may not even go. Uh, and, uh, Fred Goss is like, oh, I'd like to go to the dance myself if I had a special lady to go with. Yeah. Wink, wink, wink. I guess. I'm horny. Yeah. It's basically just Fred Goss is just like, Fred Goss, down to fuck. All right. DTF. Meanwhile, Otis is like, can I please have my suit? You're driving me to drink, for the love of God. I'm hanging on by a thread here. I'm around you people, and this is why I'm an addict. Yeah, and so Fred Goss is like, 
Oh, yeah, well, you're sued. Whoa, this thing's got to be clean. Otis, I just had it cleaned. Why is there not another? Everybody in this town is so bad at their job. Why is everyone? Why do we have only monopolies in this town? And why are they all populated by the people that are the worst at the thing they're supposed to be doing? At least the moonshiners have competition. At least the moonshiners are driven to lower their prices and improve their product quality. (laughs) We just have a, a barrage of doddering old men providing basic amenities. Fuck! So we go to the jail where Opie is, like, looking for stuff to do. So they mentioned that Barney Fife is not around. Barney's not in this episode. He's, he's, he's off doing something. And, oh my god, dude. Oh my god, did they pay Paradise and put up a parking lot on that one. Motherfucker, we did not know what we had. All the no Barney episodes are dog shit. And I hate that character so much, but... There's nothing! This show needs Barney Fife. Because this show needs any character capable of mistakes or jokes. Because, like, it's just Andy can't, like, season two, Andy's not allowed to do fucking jokes anymore because he can't make mistakes. So it's literally just Aunt B having mild misunderstandings and feeling terrible about them. It's just so awful. It's a fucking miserable slog uh so Uh, what are we gonna do when barney leaves the show i mean by then there's going to be i think there's gonna be like the pile brothers yeah there's gonna there's gonna be other stuff around weird mountain men sure uh when when barney five leaves the show i'm going to do a backflip because i'll never have to hear don knott's voice again i don't know i don't know what this show is gonna be after that and by this show i mean a our podcast and b the andy griffith show then we'll transition to, we'll rebrand as a Father Knows Best podcast. God. Yeah. Opie comes in and he's like, can I be the deputy? Is there anyone who needs a resting? And uh, Andy's like, you can clean out the trash. You can help me out. Where's your, they do more bits about the tooth. Yeah. Right? Like, where'd that tooth go? And there, he's like, oh, well, I was sheriffing and I was catching some robbers and they shot my teeth out. Uh, yeah, whatever. Yeah, just... Cutie goes on forever. Ever, just like it's incredible that they were just like Ron Howard, small child, vamp, vamp, improv, improv, little boy. We we didn't write a full episode here. Don Knotts has food poisoning or something, so you need to be the Don Knotts for the episode. And Ron Howard's just like, ah, uh, Robert shot my teeth out. Like he's terrified. What else happens? So Helga's dad wants to bulldoze the tree to put up a new beeper emporium. Yeah, no. So Helga's dad wants to bulldoze the tree to put up a... Wait, no. Fuck it. Andy Grivish. <laughs> um, right. So the next thing I remember happening is that, like, Andy is... They're back at Andy's house, and Clara is just being a fucking dick. Okay, so Clara is such a dog shit friend in this episode. Like... There was, I like, it's the only time I like paid attention to this episode, really, because like I reared back and was like, that is bonkers level overstepping socially. Like, yeah. 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 So, what the conversation they have basically is that, uh, Andy is giving Claire, is giving Aunt B shit. He's teasing her because he heard that, uh, Fred Goss has a crush on her. Yeah. He heard this from Otis who came to the jail uh, for some reason. I don't know. 
Andy's got a pretty funny line where he's like, hey, Otis, like, I know it's Friday, but you're pretty early. Yeah. <laughs> and Otis is like, hey, I'm going to start drinking again soon. <laughs> like, he's like, I'm sober right now, but I won't be later. This episode has been my breaking point. I'm off the wagon. I tried. I tried, man. But I have to deal with this bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> I, I made it through ten seconds of the worst episode. <laughs> But he he literally he comes in just to start. He's just like he's like, hey, I wanted to like tease you about this about your Aunt B, ha- like Fred Goss having a crush on Aunt B, and Andy takes that home and he teases her, and then he leaves. And then in the kitchen, Claire is like, you know, maybe you should go out with Fred Goss. Yeah. And Aunt B's like, why? I hate that guy. He's he sucks. Yeah. And then she, uh, Clara's line of thinking is, okay, look. You should go out and maybe get married or meet somebody because right now, Opie needs a mother. Yeah. And Andy is putting his own dating life on hold because there's some real circuitous logic here, right? So so it's basically no woman is going to want to marry Andy because there's no room in the house because you live in the house. Yes. Um, and Andy needs a wife and Opie needs a mom, so you need to get married so you can move out. Um so that Andy can date. Yeah. Bug fuck logic. It's completely bullshit. We're going to take apart in a second, but first and foremost, imagine if I said anything of this level of invasiveness to you. Right. Of like you're keeping your friend unhappy and therefore you need to get do something of the caliber of getting married. Yeah. You you need to fu- you need to settle and change your entire life because your very existence, your presence in this house is making your family miserable. Yeah. You are an inconvenience to your loved ones and therefore you need to do something ma- you need to completely overhaul your entire life. Like you would throw me out a window. This is this is also the same woman who like intentionally sabotages some pickle bullshit. Yeah, she's a monster. She's horrible yeah this is a monstrous action but okay so all logic aside what yeah what, what the, the fuck? fuck are you what the fuck? talking what are you, about what what are you saying it's a house it has multiple rooms i'm assuming that you guys aren't like all sharing a bed like it's like like charlie, charlie the, the chocolate, chocolate factory. factory yeah like there's multiple bedrooms it's a large house from what we've seen and also, Andy had a girlfriend for the entirety of season one. It's already happened. Yeah. Uh. And also, he brought her here to raise the child. Right. Opie has a mother figure. It's Aunt B. Yeah. That's her entire reason for being on the show. Yeah. We all saw episode one. It's, it's insane. It's an insane thing to say. Like... <laughs> None of this makes sense. And instead of yelling all of this at top volume, as she should have, like, the episode should have ground to a halt. It should have just been like, I'm going to go point for point and explain why you're a fucking asshole who's full of shit. This remainder of the ep- remaining 12 minutes. And let, let's also be clear here. The real reason why Aunt B doesn't want to get married is you can't fucking tie Aunt B down. Oh, my God. Aunt B's not built for monogamy. Aunt B's got a harem running throughout the entire greater county like man she's got like door-to-door salesmen on a schedule yeah yeah amp b's crushing it don't claire is jealous claire is jealous of how much amp b is crushing it i guess amp b decides to take this advice or something like that and 
next scene I remember, like, there. Uh, Arnold tells his grandparents that the tree is getting torn down, and Grandpa, like, does a whole thing about, like, Ah, in my day, uh, we used, we, we built the indoor plumbing in that tree, and I actually, uh, proposed to my wife there. Anyway, that's cool, when's it going down? And Grandma's like, we're gonna burn the streets. Like, we're going to go, like, triple Antifa on this motherfucker. We need you there, because they can't really throw the book at you legally. We're going to throw acid in cops' faces. This city will burn for this tree. It rules. I forgot how how kick-ass the grandma and Hey Arnold. Dude, it, Arnold's grandma rules. Yeah, it kicks ass. It kicks absolute ass. So, okay, so the next scene I remember uh, is that Andy has invited Fred Goss over for dinner. Well, there was a bit there was a bit with more Chinese food, right? Andy was going to take Opie out for Chinese food. They are going to go to Mount Pilot. Uh, and then Aunt B comes in and is like, uh, were you doing anything for dinner? I was thinking maybe I'd have Mr. Goss over. And Andy's like, really? Yeah. What? Okay. Yeah. Seriously, I was making fun of you for this, indicating it was stupid, but I guess you're going... Okay, well, I guess if you're happy, if that's what you want to do. And Opie's like, but Chinese food! Yeah. And he's like, we'll have Chinese food another time. We gotta apparently have this guy at our house now, I guess. We, We have to suffer through a terrible evening together as a family? And so we get to the dinner and Andy makes like a little joke uh, about, hey, did you hear the one about the man who mixed cleaning fluid with his gravy? That way, if he spilled it on his tie, it would take care of itself. It's not a funny joke. No, it's just breaking the tension. because it's Yeah, because it's a very awkward situation. moment. And then uh, Fred Goss does not laugh about that at all. Yeah. He's like, "You don't you dare. You should <laughs> never, ever mix those two items. Don't you put that. You could kill a man, Andy. You, you could kill a man, Andrew. Do you understand the severity of what you're talking about? And the, and so I'll well, have the Dry Cleaners Association after you for slander. I swear to God. And so those are those are like the two like main points about uh, Fred Goss. It's number one, he takes his job way too seriously and he doesn't know how to talk about anything other than dry cleaning, the most boring subject. Movie. And the other thing is, he uses his like information. He uses like what he gathers from doing cleaning to talk shit and gossip about people. Yeah. Like, uh, he mentions that, like, he found brown hairs uh, on the shoulder of one man's jacket, but that guy's wife is blonde. He, he mentions that women, that men are cheating on their wives a lot or want to cheat on their wives. Uh, at one point, he talks about, like, one guy having uh, a picture in his wallet that's not of his wife. It's of Myrna Loy, which is a batshit reference for me to make because Myrna Loy was a popular actress in the 30s and 40s. Mm-hmm. Like, her last real big film role was in the 1950s. Like, it was cheaper by the dozen in 1950. That reference would have been super dated yeah. in 1962. So, again, what the fuck year is this? It's, it, it's probably an old dude. It was just like, Maybe. I still tug it to the same woman. <laughs> the same woman who's not my wife. You know, that's probably how you did it back then is like, you picked the person that you masturbate to, and then you're locked in. You're like... It's like how geese mate for life. I've been jacking it to Eva Gabor since I was a 20-year-old, and god damn it, am I sticking to it. Second Eva Gabor reference of the episode. Yeah. Good work, Gus. <laughs> Welcome to the Eva Gabor cast. Gavin for Gabor. Nice. <laughs> so, 
yeah, so that's like, and this dude just goes on and on about how difficult stains are and like how he hates clothes with rhinestone buttons. This could all be a fucking montage. This could, you could blow past this. Like, it's the. the <sighs> it's so fucking tiring. When you like, do a joke about how boring a thing is, you fast forward. Yeah. You go through, and then you just have a character go like, boring after and you get we get it you don't get it actually you've got a small child there yeah it's incredible it's an incredible decision as like a tv show to be like let's bore the piss out of our audience they'll love that uh andy and aunt b kind of go in the other room uh leaving opie to fucking suffer i guess yeah uh who's like he's now lecturing opie about grass stains it's so dumb. And Andy's just like, so you sure you want to, are you happy about this? Whatever. And this is the misunderstanding, right? Like, yeah. Oh, Aunt B is still convinced that like, she has to go through with this. She has to, she has to date this guy and then marry this guy. By the way, they go straight to like talking about marriage for like instantaneously. Fred does not actually propose to her. No, we should clarify this. Like, at no point in time does Fred say that he wants to marry her. Also, I just remembered, Aunt B's had boyfriends. Multiple! Like, like I, I know that we make the joke about how Aunt B fucks everyone, but, like, in canon, she has dated men. We have watched her go on dates. Andy what threatened to shoot one in the face. What the fuck is this? We know what this looks like. Yeah, it's just a shitty version of, like, three different episodes it's just, I generally, genuinely don't remember how any more of the episode goes. I know that there's like a big heart to heart on the porch. Uh, I know we get so much more Fred Goss. Um, I can't believe this character sucks, man. This character should rule. Like a curmudgeonly, like, all right, a guy that uses dry cleaning to do detective work to prove that people are cheating on their wives I should love that character. Yeah. That should be my favorite character. He uses dry cleaning to reveal secrets. And he's a dirtbag. He should be the best. And they just found a way against all odds to make him suck shit. God. According to the ultra-reliable Mayberry Wiki, this was Francis Bavier's favorite episode. And fucking how. You know why? Because it's the only episode where she got to do anything. Yeah. It's the only Aunt B episode. And yeah. it sucks. We make fun with Aunt B, and B is not a good character. She, I wish she was, because Frances Bavier is a good actress, and yeah, this this show just does not care much for women in general. Yeah, no, I mean, she. It's not like she's a bad character, but she's just like, I'm here. I clean. I want to give you sandwiches. I'm at B. I gossip a little bit. She's done like three cool things in the entire show. And every time we've lost our fucking minds. Like that one time she was like successfully manipulative. I almost flipped a table. I always talk about how much it annoys me when there are setups that for on TV shows that can be just avoided with a five minute conversation. Turns out when you show that five minute conversation, it's still fucking boring. Yeah. There's a five minute conversation should have happened. Right after the misunderstanding. Because, like, Aunt B should have just gone, like, Hey, Andy, do you want me to get married? And he'd be like, nah. She'd be like, cool, Clara's a bitch. 
Yeah, there, there's a moment where Opie like starts asking Andy about marriage and starts asking about relationships. It's the closest we ever come to Andy mentioning uh, Opie's dead mom. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's that's I guess that sh- feels like it should be more noteworthy. It should be a thing, right? But it it's completely glossed over. Um, Andy has a line kind of like, "Well, someone someone wants to marry you. The polite thing to do is marry him right back." Yeah. It should be specified again. Fred Goss has shown no interest in marriage. Fred Goss isn't really even interested in dating Aunt B. He was just like, oh, I guess I'll come over for dinner. Sure. Yeah. I, I don't even think he was flirting with Aunt B in the very first scene. No. I think he was just like, give me more information. Come on. I want to hear some more shit. Yeah. Like, He's... I'm going to go to that dance because I want to talk shit about people. Yeah. No, I don't think he, he doesn't particularly seem to like anybody or really be interested in anything other than dry cleaning and gossip and that's that's basically it right like after just some agonizing scenes of this aunt b and andy talk it out and then the final scene is uh aunt b's like well i'm gonna need someone to help me break up with this guy and andy goes leave that to me and they drive up to the dry cleaners the next day he comes in and he's like hey you should really see that dress that Aunt B's gonna wear to the uh, to the dance. The way you're looking at me is like it's like I'm I'm, I'm hearing this for the first. time. I'm telling you this for the first. I time. I watched this episode. And I could not tell. Like, yeah, Andy comes in and he says, "Hey, you got to see this dress that Aunt B's wearing for wearing to the dance. It's got so many buttons and there's 37 rhinestones that he just mentions this like intricate dress and how hard it's gonna be to fucking clean, essentially." Uh, Fred Goss takes this very personally. He said that women with too many rhinestones should be run out of town. It's insane. And Clara's there, and Clara's like, oh, well, my dress is just going to be plain cotton. And Fred Goss is like, cotton, you say? Just plain, simple cotton? How many buttons? He's like, no buttons at all. And Fred Goss is like, well, I'm down to fuck. Yeah, I'm rock hard right now. Come into the back. His cigarette just kind of like raises in his yeah. mouth a little, a couple degrees. Yep. And Andy's like, well, too bad you already bought the tickets for that thing. I guess you could take someone else. And his friend's like, hey, Clara, you want to go? Okay, tell Aunt B I'm sorry. Bye. Monstrous. She was ready to marry this man. Like two seconds ago. And Clara knew that. And Clara's just like. Clara's gotta get it in! Fuck it! Horrible fucking shitty people. How does the Hey Arnold episode end? Uh, so, it ends with all the kids coming to peace with the fact that Mighty Pete is going to be killed. Uh, and they go up into the treehouse for one last game of cards. Uh, little do they know, Big Bob Attacky, him and the weird guy with the unibrow, they're, uh, rolling up with the bulldozer because they're trying to bulldoze it at midnight. Uh, so that no one will interfere. They start to knock it down. They realize the kids are up there. Uh, Bob's like, okay, we gotta stop. Weird unibrow guy is like, we're gonna kill some fucking kids. <laughs> Let's murder some children. Let's, I'm escalating. Unibrow guy, nameless unibrow guy is escalating this. Bob wrestles him off of the bulldozer. Not a great strategy on his part because now, runaway bulldozer. The kids try to stop it by throwing everything in the treehouse at it. At one point, Arnold's like, if I can just hit the lever with this coffee mug, it'll stop it. Uh, Mrs. Wildly. Helga makes fun of him. Great joke. And then Arnold's grandma swings in dressed as Tarzan and steals a bulldozer and just drives it down a city street. And 
It's great. It's great. <laughs> and it just steals a bulldozer. She's the best character. She rules. She rules. I like Arnold's grandma is Antifa. She kicks ass. Uh, she definitely just drove that into a police station and just ran up. You're like, pigs! You fucking pigs! Attica! Attica! And so the, the the punchline of the episode is that Bob apologizes to his kids and says, or is to Helga, and he says he's not going to knock down the tree. Yeah. But he is going to build a store in that lot that you play ball, baseball in. Yeah. That's the, that's and the they're like, oh no. Aren't you glad I did this now? Because like. I, it's so much better. It, it's a palate cleanser. Like yeah. just talking about Hey Arnold for three seconds is so much better than talking about this episode of television. So ratings for, I guess, the Aunt B episode. It's dog shit. It sucks. I can't even give it a single a single Andy. It's a picture of an unflushed turd of that that's been there for a while, and no one's really gotten around to dealing with it. So, so my my Andy rating meter is uh, it's a cinnamon roll that kind of looks like Andy Griffith. Yeah, that's that's what I'm giving it. Yeah, and Fifa meter. I, I mean, there's nothing like disgusting that people brought with them like it just didn't it's too pointless to have like it's nothing it's fuck all it doesn't get you know what it doesn't even get on the scale it's not no. even like it doesn't get to be on the xy axis of andy to barney it's like i throw this episode off a cliff into lava i this episode never happened and never existed before we give up on on this entirely folks uh i want to uh give a Shout out to uh, Apple podcast user Trollseek for giving us a new five-star review. Woo! It describes us as funny and weird as H asterisk asterisk asterisk. I don't know if that's an iTunes thing. If I find this as funny as I do without even watching the episode they're discussing, I should probably start watching the shows. No. No, no dude, stop. I, I don't do really, it. We do not recommend that, Trollseek. Re- remember in season one when we had a conversation about whether or not we liked the Andy Griffith show and we were like... I mean, I like it and I don't like it. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. I fucking hate this show. I hate this piece of shit, yeah. idiot show. Yeah, Trollseek, we're, we're watching this so you don't have to. Yeah. Uh, Unless we explicitly tell you to watch the episode, don't watch the episode. Yeah, we'll tell you when there are episodes to watch. La- last episode, the last pod, the last podcast before this had, had episodes to watch. Yeah. I hope they move on to another series after they've trudged through Andy Griffith. We got some plans. We might. Yeah, we've got some plans. We got some stuff in the works. Yeah. The wide breadth of political, cultural knowledge the hosts draw from in their commentary is ignited by genuine anxiety, LOL. Yeah. Yeah. Accurate. The darkest shadows are cast on each scene. That's, yeah, that, that rules. giving us such gravitas and power. A, that's an awesome. I don't think anyone's ever said I cast a shadow even, like, literally. I've seen you in the sun. Like, it's very weird. Yeah. You've got, like, a Peter Pan thing going on. It's, like, uh, my shadow, like, no matter where I am in, is always, like, small and squiggly and, like, trying its best but not really manifesting. It's kind of like how Peter Pan's shadow, like, sometimes runs away from him, except, like, your shadow just, like, just, like, is off smoking a cigarette. Yeah. Like, fuck you. I will be, like, reflected of you when I feel like it. Yeah. Like, your shadow has no respect for you as a man. No, my shadow is trying its best but always, like, a couple like degrees off like it's always just like i'm, I'm sorry i'm do i be here <laughs> i i didn't realize we were going i'm sorry get some good dan's shadow bits <laughs> good 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 job us closing out strong <laughs> so that that's it folks we're sorry we trudged you through this one uh not as sorry as we are for watching this fucking thing yeah so um that's it for this episode 
hopefully next by the next thing you hear from us will be from our live show mm-hmm. uh talking about tv dads yeah dads throughout history so thank you to the philadelphia podcast festival uh for hosting us and that pretty much wraps everything up you know all the drill uh support us on patreon patreon.com slash breaking mayberry if you want us on twitter uh we're at break mayberry on twitter i'm at schneid remarks i'm at the luds and you all know that that's got the two d's yeah max ludwig did the music that you heard at the beginning you're about to hear appalachian coal mines by the band ask again so that's about it uh we'll see you all as usual down at the fishing hole y'all come back (laughs) 